Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Happy birthday. It's a good day for us. Uh, my name is Johnny. There's a, a few faces that I haven't seen before, so that's really, that's really great, as well as uh, some, some faces that I haven't seen for a good number of years, but have known me since I was a little boy who are visiting here today, so you can get some stories from them later. But it's, uh, it's good to be together. And, and guys, it's, uh, it's eight years today since uh, we, this church was started under God's grace, and, and we, uh, if you're newer here, we deliberately make a big deal of the first Sunday of September of celebrating uh, our church birthday um, and, and celebrating that together. So we'd love it today. If, if, you, if you came in a bit late, um, there's little gift bags and we would love everyone to take away a gift bag and, uh, and there's a, a few little treats in there and some stuff to, to encourage you along the way. So please, everyone, even if you're just here today, please take, take a gift on us. And the reason we want to celebrate our birthday each year is because it, the things that you celebrate show what you value and what you appreciate, and what you think is important in life, don't they? You celebrate what you really care about, and what really gets you going. Uh, And Luke says about his own birthday, he says he never complains about getting a year older. You know, as you get a bit older like me, you kind of start to complain a little bit when the birthday rocks around, because you've got to add another number onto your year. And he says he never complains, because it's another year of life, and of blessing of life. And I think that is so true. And for us as a church too, our birthday is a chance to give thanks to God, and to give glory to God. For another year. Great to see you, Nick. You can take the kids up and then uh, come join us. Um, for, for another year. And, and, and to give thanks for all he has done for us and all he has done in us. Well, we don't want to be triumphalists. We don't want to be self-exalting in that. We want to give God the glory as we just sung and to count our blessings together. But the other thing we tend to do, don't we, on, on our birthdays, is, is we tend to reflect and take stock. It's a time to consider the passing of time and where we're at and what's changing and what's going on in our lives, the challenges and the opportunities we face. And as I've considered that for us as a church, just leading up to today, the Holy Spirit's brought to mind a particular text that I think is pertinent to our stage of church life at the moment. And this text from God's Word maps closely onto our experience, what we're going through at the Gate Church right now. And so we can learn from those who've gone before about how to navigate this Season. So we're going to read God's word. We're going to receive God's word together. And I'm going to share a little bit of what God has been doing in the church over these last few years. And then we're going to think about how what we've read in God's word, therefore, plays out for us in our time and place. So please do grab one of these red Bibles if you haven't got your own and turn to Acts chapter 6. And in these Bibles, it's on page 1098. 1098. Acts chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 7. This is God's word, so it's helpful to have it open before us and to to receive it together. So page 1098, Acts 6, verses 1 to 7. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the words. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. 
They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now let me just give you a big picture idea of what's happened at the Gate Church over the last few years. Um, because to move forward in unity together as a church, it's really helpful to understand and have a shared understanding of where we have come from. So I'm going to go back to just before the COVID pandemic, um, and uh, there was time before that. And, and in that time, after a few years of a fair bit of turnover in the church, I think like Toby said, and maybe a few of us have acknowledged this morning, there's been quite a lot of coming and going of people in and out of the church over the years. And so we had seen quite a lot of turnover, but not really much growth, because the new people who were coming were kind of replacing people who were moving on for various reasons. Towards the end of 2019, God did bring us into a season uh, of new growth, and quite a few of you joined us during that time. And that was a real, a real blessed time and a really encouraging thing. And then COVID hit like a bomb, didn't it? And, and, and it affected all of our lives and all of society and the whole world and all of us personally. And of course, it affected the church massively too. Now, I think there's a, a few significant things. As I think back to 2020 and, and kind of the first part of 2021, that kind of right in the heart of all of those lockdowns and all of the stuff that was going on with COVID. I think there's a few significant things that happened for us as a church. The most significant thing is this, and we will not forget it. God sustained us and God kept us. God enabled us to stay united and unified. He enabled us to encourage one another spiritually. He enabled us to support one another and care for one another. And actually more than that, he enabled us to reach out to people around us in the community and support and care for and witness to them in the midst of everything that was throwing at us. There was about six months where we weren't able to meet on a Sunday physically um, here, and we weren't able to meet in, in, in small groups and stuff like that to, uh, and, and to worship God. But, but, but for most of that period, most of that pandemic, we were able to come together, those of us who were able to and wanted to, to worship God together on Sundays. And in all of the kind of affected way it was, that was a really significant thing. There were some weeks where there weren't many other churches in the city able to do that, and we were. And the pandemic, of course, it was tough for all of us in very different and very personal ways. And we're still coming to terms with that. But I think for those who had joined our church in the kind of six months before it, it was particularly tough. Relationally, they were trying to kind of find their feet and connect into the church and then suddenly get thrown into that situation. And, and it was difficult for them to settle into church life. And that shaped quite a number of people's experience of church. As we kind of went on through, through the pandemic, while we were encouraged by a few very courageous people who joined us on, when we were doing Sundays online and, and, and Zoom socials and stuff, and, and, and some people who, kind of, who joined us as a church in that time, uh, big up to you for, for doing that, and we were so blessed by that. The truth is that lots more people were actually moving on from the church during that time, and that's for a whole host of reasons, some good, and some, quite frankly, less good, but what that culminated in was that it was quite hard, actually, for lots of us seeing quite a number of people move on. Again, that's quite a difficult thing, and saying goodbye to people. And so it's important to realize, the reason why I'm just kind of going over this, is that COVID and everything that came with it wasn't just um, a thing that was difficult for us personally, and in our personal lives, many of us are still walking through some of the fallout of that, but that's true for us as a church as well, actually. There's things that, that, that have been difficult in that and that, that we're still kind of working through and, and walking out of in church life. 
Now, off the back of that, what's happened since, say, the last year, since September 2021, is broadly God has brought us into a fresh season of growth. And we've been greatly encouraged by that. As, as many of you have joined us in that time, we've moved from a, from a small to a medium-sized church. And, and, and this growth has come from a number of places. It's come from people who have moved into the city from other parts of the country and the world, and they've, they've found us as a church and, and settled here. It's come from people in our local community that for many years we've been walking alongside, we've been reaching out to, we've been witnessing to, we've been loving and serving. And they've come to faith in Jesus. We've baptized them, and they're becoming members. Even today, we're going to be welcoming a member who's, who, who, who that's her story. And then also, thirdly, our growth has come from people who have moved across the ocean to join us and partner us in our mission. From partnerships that we have with various churches in the States, people who have come to the Gate Church and moved across the world in order to serve God in this community. And so now, whatever our story is, Wherever we come from and however long we've been here, we find ourselves placed by God together in this place and in this time with these people around us and with this shared purpose of seeking first his kingdom together. And we do that by helping others, helping others in church around us, helping people in our local community around us to love Jesus more and more. And so you've got all of these newer people to church, still in some senses, even if they've been around for a year or two because of the pandemic and stuff, trying to find their, their feet in this new phase of life. But you've also got some people who've been around for years who, quite frankly, are struggling to adapt to all the changes that are going on around them in the shape of church life. It's helpful for us to understand that's, that's where we're at at the moment as a church. That's where we've come from. So what does what we read in Acts 6... What relevance does that have to us here and now then? What does that teach us about how to live faithfully in this time and place, given this is our story? Now look back with me on page 1098 there. Look at verse 1. It is pertinent because Acts 6 records a time when the number of disciples was increasing. This is 33 AD in Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, and this new movement of followers of the way of Jesus is growing fast. In one day, in fact, they go from 120 to over 3,000. And then in the months that follow, every day, people are joining them and becoming followers of the way of Jesus. And so this, this, kind of, this church is just growing exponentially over these weeks and months. Their growth curve compared to ours is just like way, it's beyond compare, okay? I, I fully acknowledge that. It's far steeper and far faster, but there's the dynamics that are going on with that growth that are very similar to what we're experiencing. Uh, and Acts 6 basically comes at the end of this early season of growth in the church, uh, and, and kind of Acts 7 moves into uh, a new phase. Uh, and the first thing to note is that Luke, who writes down this story, and, and writes down the story of the church in the book of Acts, he's not shy about recording numbers, and celebrating the growth of God's kingdom. And when he does that, when, he, when, he, when he's recording what's going on in the growth of God's kingdom, do you see it in verse 7? What he does is he talks about the word of God spreading. Ten times in Acts, in fact, he writes that or something similar, charting the growth of God's kingdom and the spread of the church. It's the word of God spreading. It's the word of God going out. You see, the way the kingdom of God grows, this is how God's kingdom grows. It is through the good news message of Jesus going out to people. And it's people hearing and receiving and buying into that with their whole life. 
And that whole life thing is, is significant here, okay? You see, the thing that's increasing, the kind of growth that's happening, it's not the popularity or the reputation of the Christians. It's not like their YouTube channel is getting more subscribers or the Facebook page is getting more likes. It's not even how many people are rocking up to a particular place on a Sunday. No, the thing that's increasing is the number of disciples. You see, a, a disciple is someone who has been rescued from a disastrous and a dangerous way of life, and they've been put on a new path and on a new way of living and a new way of life, living the way of Christ, following Jesus. It's a complete revolution of life. Um, you think of, some of you might have heard of Leon Edwards, who's the new UFC champion of the world from Birmingham, became a champion a couple of weeks ago. And his story, if you read of his story, there's some articles on BBC, he was rescued, really, from a life of of gang, gangs and, and kind of growing up into that kind of stuff. Uh, and basically, some people in the, in, in the MMA community got hold of him and rescued him from that and put him in a, on, in a new way of life, of, 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 of training as, as a fighter, and, and now he's a professional, and he's, he's at the top of the world. A, a disciple is someone who's taken from one way of life and put on a new path and, and something new to live for, and so their life is saved in doing so. It's an all-of-life follower of Jesus, rescued by him and now learning to live life his way. Learning to do things how he would do them, learning to, to cultivate and grow the heart of Christ within us, living with him as your king, and then a group of, peop- a group of people together working out what that looks like in the church. How, how, how do we follow the way of Jesus? How, how do we live for him as our king together? And so when God's word spreads like that, when his kingdom grows, when, when the number of disciples increase and, and the depth of discipleship increases, we ought not be shy in calling that out and saying, God, have, be praised and, and, and be glorified. We should recognize and we should celebrate the growth that God is bringing in and through the church. We ought not be shy about doing that because it is a sign of God's kingdom advancing and it is his glory shining and it is the fruit of many prayers and it is the outcome of much spiritual and often literal blood, sweat and tears. Now, Some of us are struggling in our faith right now. Some of us are finding church life really hard in various ways. But I want us to observe, I want us to see, I want us to be greatly encouraged by what we see God doing around us in the lives of others. The stories that we see unfolding around us, we see God's work at life, uh, uh, God's work at, um, at work in lives in, in incredible and amazing ways of others in this church. Jesus is building his church, and as he promises, the gates of hell are not prevailing against it. And guys, if you're a Christian, that's got to bring joy to your soul. However hard that might be at times, that's got to inspire and encourage and excite you. It's incredible to see. Well, what happens in Acts? As, as this growth happens in this early church in Jerusalem, it is not a smooth ride. And actually, in fact, Luke records three main threats that arise and threaten to derail the growth that's going on in God's kingdom. So um, you can look at it if you want, but back over the page, Acts chapter 4, what happens is there's direct opposition and persecution from those outside the church. They start getting hold of the leaders, roughing them up, putting them in prison, beating them up, oppressing and, and, and persecuting them. Then in Acts chapter 5, the threat arises within the church of unrepented sin and deceit and dishonesty. 
Christians potentially bringing down the church from within by their ungodly lifestyles. And it's a very real threat to the church. And then thirdly, in Acts 6, what we read, but perhaps most surprising to us, there is the very real threat of grumbling, of complaining, of division and disunity and disagreement due to the complexity of growth and some of the difficulties there. It just threatens to tear the church apart. So you've got this toing and froing going on. The kingdom's growing. The, the word's going out and spreading. People are becoming disciples of Jesus. All this amazing stuff's happening. It's like Satan comes back with the counterpunch and the counterattack and, and, and you know, one attack after the other. But then the kingdom keeps growing and it keeps, and it's kind of, it's, it's, it's that way. And the church has to address these issues as they go. Now listen, we have and we will face all three of these different challenges and threats uh, in, in different ways at the gate church. I can think of multiple examples of each in this past year that we've walked through in, in our church. But at this time, and for today, I think we need to be particularly aware of this last one. This one that is maybe surprising to us, and this division, this disunity, this grumbling and complaining. So here, here's the problem that arose in Acts 6. And this is just months after Jesus died, rose, and ascended, in the very place where that happened, in the city of Jerusalem, from the very people who saw or, or were kind of around at that time. What we read is that the Hellenistic Jews, now the footnotes tells us that's people of Jewish background who have adopted Greek culture and language and customs. They're probably born in the provinces around Jerusalem, so they become very Greek, and now they've moved to Jerusalem. The Hellenistic Jews complain against the Hebraic Jews. They're the people of Jewish background who have stuck with their Jewish culture and background and, and uh, customs. So at this stage, right, the church and Christians are only um, followers of Jesus, are only in Jerusalem and only from a Jewish background, and yet already there's diversity within them. According to their context and their time, there's diversity. And that creates a fault line and a problem in the church. You see, in that time and place, the Hellenistic Jews, those Greek Jews, were worse off basically, in society. And so as the Christians put their faith into practice by the church setting up a food bank to support and relieve the, uh, the needs of vulnerable widows and give out food to them each day, what's happening is as they do that, some of the prejudices of time around them are being played out and the Greek culture Jews are being left behind. Those widows are, are being overlooked in some way. We don't know exactly what was going on. Maybe they were just like always the last in line for the food or just getting less rations than others or just getting the scraps at the end or lower quality food. We, we don't know. And we don't even know whether it was a real or a perceived issue. It probably wasn't active discrimination. It was probably just more a case of neglect. But you can imagine how it causes a stir, can't you? Preferable treatment according to the standards of the culture around them, jealousy the other way, and just, you can just imagine how it unfolds. And there's two big issues with this. The first one is the division that it causes in the church and the potential to not only stop it growing but fall apart altogether. But the second issue is the distraction that it creates for the 12. These are the apostles, the spiritual leaders at the time who are now spending loads of time and energy feeding bodies and therefore neglecting the business of feeding souls. And if that sets in, then in turn... If the, if the growth of the church is by the, the, by the ministry of the word and the word going out, then if they're no longer able to do that, then of course you're not far off, no growth and, and, and kind of decline and, and God's kingdom just kind of, yeah, just declining. So that's the problem. 
Now, the resolution they find in verse 2 is this. The 12 gather together all of the disciples, and they come together to find a solution. The apostles must not neglect the ministry of the word of God. But also, this food bank's really important. Waiting on tables is an important ministry for the church to be doing, and they recognize and uphold the significance of the good works that the church is doing, and they actually say, this needs to be done really well. The the leaders don't say, oh, look, this has got nothing to do with us. It's not a spiritual issue. It's not a big problem. Just get over it. Like, just don't waste our time. Don't, Don't distract us. No, they take responsibility for the problem, and they lead the believers to find a solution. And so they propose the solution. Everyone affirms it. And together they choose these seven men who are known to be full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. And they are given the responsibility of administering this food bank. And it's kind of turned over to them. So when they're looking for these people, do you see what they're looking for? They're not looking for the best managers. Those who've got a good track record in, in business. Those who have run lots of food banks before, the most educated. No, they want those who've got a reputation and a track record for godliness. Those who are full of the spirit and wisdom, whose godly character is on display and is evidence in their lives. So everyone can see, yeah, that those are godly men. But also those who are wise. So they do have, they do have some aptitude and some skill set to, to be discerning and, and to do this stuff well, to make some good judgment calls. So they, so they choose this group of men. Uh, and actually, all of these seven men, they have Greek names. So it seems that they come from this marginalized group. So this is the group that said, hey, we've got an issue in the church here. So you say, OK, yeah, we have. You guys sort that issue out. Be part of the solution here. But the really important thing is that they have godly character. And they have faith to see this food bank run well. And they're going to do an excellent job and ensure that no widow is left out and and no widow is turned away. And so these men are presented to the apostles and and they pray for them. They lay lay hands on them. They commission them to this ministry. And the apostles give their attention to the ministry of the words and to prayer. And so the result of this in verse 7, the word of God spreads. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increases rapidly, even more rapid growth, and even a large number of priests become obedient to the faith. See, see, dealing with, resolving this issue leads to the gospel spreading and even more people getting saved. Even Jewish priests, those who have been leading the opposition and the violent persecution of Jesus' followers just a couple of chapters before, they start joining this faith in large numbers. See, What this issue did was it it exposed the unhealth in the church. And so it was seen as important. It was owned by the church as a whole, and it was dealt with. And all the time, the priority of prayer and ministry of the word was upheld so that the, the church grows both in health, but also grows in number. Now, what is the significance and the relevance of that for us today in this church in Birmingham? in 2022. Well, listen, we've taught lots this year. If you've been around, you've heard us talk about the the growing pains of church life. This kind of disagreement, this kind of potential disunity and division are the sorts of growing pains that we are facing today as a church. And Act 6, as I said, gives us a map of how we can navigate this kind of stuff well. And it will help us to maintain together a kingdom mindset that values and prizes both growth in health as a church, but also values and prizes growth in number 
as a church. And so this will help us to be a people who are zealous for the spread of God's word, uh, God's word and the growth of his kingdom. And yet as we, as we are zealous for that and we pursue that and we mobilize towards that, also be deeply passionate about caring for members of the church, about safeguarding our unity, about loving one another well and staying together in the Holy Spirit. So two things, both the the health growing there and and the unity and the oneness, and yet also the growth that, that kind of multiplies out. You see, God's kingdom is the most valuable and the most precious thing going. Jesus tells several stories to remind and to teach us of that fact. And so the growth of God's kingdom, its advance, is the greatest thing. It is the greatest thing that can happen in our lives. It's the greatest thing that can happen in our community. Growth of God's kingdom and his glory spreading. And it's not the case, guys, that the gate church is God's kingdom. But it is the case that by his grace, it is a part of his kingdom. And so as we do see the number of disciples growing here, whether it's people starting out in their discipleship from across the street or people continuing their discipleship from across the oceans, it is a beautiful gift from God. It's to be treasured. It's to be prized. It's so much better than being in a church that's in a steady state of decline in discipleship. That's a terrible place to be. Some of us have been there before. Growth in the church is not bad. It is not a threat to your well-being. It's not something to be resented or grumbled about. And it is not something that we are going to apologize over. Even if it is hard for us at times, it is the work of God, and it is his kingdom. Acts 6 reminds us and shows us to desire and to prize the growth of God's kingdom by his word going out, by his word taking root in people's lives and bearing fruit. So guys, in this church, that is going to continue to be a priority of ours. We're not going to step back for that or to let that go. It's just possible, and and it maybe doesn't quite feel like today, but some weeks it does. It feels like the building is just that bit fuller, and the number of new people to welcome and befriend stretches our capacity, Uh, and maybe we feel new, and we just feel like we need some time to to kind of bed in and settle in, or or some of us have been here for over eight years, uh, and we would like to just coast a little bit for a while and and slip into neutral and, and take it easy and just be that little bit more comfortable in church. But no, guys, we need to prioritize the spread of the good news of Jesus. We've got to keep that front and center. We haven't made it yet. We haven't achieved it. For all we should be encouraged by what God has done, how he has been faithful and how he's been gracious, how he's sustained us, the stories that we've shared, and we can share more. We've not even begun to scratch the surface of the darkness and the kingdom of this world in our community and our city around us. The spiritual Um, apathy and indifference and disinterest around us is oppressive at times, isn't it? But Jesus says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And if the harvest is plentiful, that means the the opportunities around us are many. There's a plentiful 
harvest. The need and the opportunity for the gospel to go out is so great to to young children in our local schools, to the elderly in our sheltered housing in our community, to the single parent households who are struggling to get by in this cost of living crisis, to those who are battling poverty, to asylum seekers who land in, in our city and in our community from just terrible places and experiences, to the students and the young professionals who, who move here seeking life to the full, to the, to the young lads in our community who are at risk of gang life and all com- that comes with that, to those who are living on the streets and whose lives are just an absolute mess, from those who have moved here from across the world to work, many of them coming from countries where it's not even legal to be a Christian or there are no Christians or churches, to your neighbours, to your colleagues, to your family. The, the need and the opportunity for the word of God to spread is great. It's massive. And this is for all of us as a church. This is an important thing for all of us to hold on to, but I think particularly for those of us who've been around for a long time, maybe therefore feeling a little bit jaded and weary spiritually. Then what we need is a desire and the joy in kingdom growth when God brings it to have a priority for it in our church and to seek to stay that way, eager for God's kingdom to come, eager for it to grow until Jesus comes back and brings it fully in the end. And it's not to us, but it's to his glory alone. But what Act 6 doesn't model to us is this this unhealthy, growth at all costs mentality. You know, kind of get on the bus or get run over by the bus, kind of toxic macho, macho culture of, of growth and pride in the church. Listen, if the church is a vehicle, it's an ambulance for the spiritually diseased and the spiritually broken. And it's an ambulance that leads us to the good doctor of our souls. And so the church is a place of restoration and of renewal. The church is a place of refuge and recovery. It's a place where weakness and struggle is not only okay, but quite frankly is expected. It's a place where people are and ought to be cared for and looked after and supported and loved through thick and thin. It's a place where we forbear with one another and we're patient when struggles roll on from weeks into months into years and even decades. The church and Acts didn't only need to grow in number, but it needed to grow in health. It needed people to step into new roles, into new areas of responsibility to ensure things were done well and stuff on their watch was well taken care of and others didn't have to worry about it or intervene or, or come in and pick up drop doors. It, it was a church that had to grow in depth of relationship, in, in restoring broken relationships and where these fault lines are, are occurring, where there's restoration and unity and peace and, and forgiveness and grace being ex- extended. It's a, it's a church that had to grow in, in love for one another. It would have been easy, wouldn't it, for the apostles to let go of the food bank and say, it's not worth the bother. It's going to cause these kinds of problems. Let's just leave it be. We've just got to focus on the spiritual work of of the church, of preaching the gospel. And and this other stuff is not our concern. But no, they didn't. They said good works are vital. They're going to be protected here and they're going to be done well here in and from the church. Uh, And it matters how the Hellenistic Jews, uh, Jewish widows felt. Their complaint had to be taken seriously, it had to be resolved, it had to be dealt with in order to protect the unity of the body. So too how we care for one another, how we listen to and understand what others find hard, how we take complaints seriously, how we show one another kindness and grace and love and forgiveness. 
how we show practical support and friendship and love is of greatest importance. And it's vitally important for us to be devoted to, to that together as a church at this time as well. As, as, as we seek, and to some extent see some growth in God's kingdom, in our little corner of it anyway, then the way in which we relate, the way in which we fight for and we prize our unity, the way in which we don't leave anyone out and we don't leave anyone behind is of great significance. Now, this is for all of us. But maybe for those of you who are newer, this is particularly significant. This is a value we have in this church. This shapes our life and this shapes our ministry together and we want to invite that to shape your life and your ministry as well. We want you to value this. We want you to devote yourself to loving and caring well for others in this church, even if this is your first week or your second week or something. We want you to just start doing that. We want you to step into new areas of serving others. Honouring those who've been labouring at the post for many, many years and could just do us some encouragement, some help, and some people stepping in with them. Come in arm in arm and say, let's go forward together. I've got some fresh vision and some energy here. Honouring what they've been doing and encouraging them, maybe even lightening their loads. Growth in health for us as a church is key at this time. As we close... Do you see how this little story in Acts 6 fleshes out and puts into practice so much of our vision for our church? What we see here is a church, and, and, and these things are written on this, um, on, on, on this banner over here. We see a church that, that is navigating the challenges and the pitfalls of becoming a, a, a diverse family. And they're fighting for love and unity in that. And, and, and we're experiencing that, right? We see a church that's acting as a local refuge for people in the, in the church and in the local community and bringing relief from the hardships of life in the world. And that's something that we desperately are trying to do and wanting to do. And we see a church that's ever more becoming a shining light as they live godly and distinctive lives and they fight to hold on to and, and hold out the word of life, the good news of Jesus to those around them. And so as a result of that, many are added to their number. Many become followers of Jesus. The, the number of disciples are increasing. Listen, that's who we are. That's what we want to become too. And in one sense, this vision stuff is nothing new, is it? You could just take it right out of Acts 6, right of what they were doing in the first months of the church. And yet it's no less beautiful or compelling for that. God has brought us this far. God has brought us this far. He's brought us through, by his grace, many dangers and toils and snares. And the one who has brought us this far and who has been faithful to this day, we can be confident that that same God, who has never let his people down, never left us, never forsaken us, never neglected us, he will continue to be faithful to us as his people going forward. His past mercy and faithfulness and grace give us confidence of his future mercy and faithfulness and grace. But we can also be confident that he has many people in this city who are his and who he will call out of darkness into his wonderful light. Many more who are not yet his people who he will call his people. I think it's not too far to say that we can be confident that those people, some of them will find their way into our church. So guys, let's seek first his kingdom. Let's seek it first with everything in our lives. Let's do that together and let's seek one another's good as we do that. 
And Jesus promises that everything else, everything else will be given to us. Let's pray, and and the musicians will come up as we do that, and we're going to respond in worship together. Let's pray. Lord, we we do thank you for your kingdom and for your your grace and your mercy in, in, in us and our church getting to be a part of your kingdom and just the things that you have done, the grace and the goodness of the Lord that we have seen and experienced and tasted and known these eight years. And and Lord, we pray for for that same grace and goodness to be with us today and every day that follows. Would you help us to go forward into tomorrow trusting you? Lord, help us to love and care for and stay unified together. But Lord, help us not to just kind of look in, but also to see the great need of the harvest field around us and to look out and and to speak out and to act out in ways that reflect your kingdom and your gospel. And Lord, we ask that you would add to our number those who are being saved, those who are all of life followers of Jesus, that he may be glorified, that his fame may spread, that his his name may be honoured and known more truly and more greatly in all things. And do that until you choose to come back, we pray, Jesus. Amen.